Today's bracha, the last bracha of Shmon is called Birkat HaShalom. It's obviously about Shalom. The first word is Sim Shalom, give us peace. And most importantly, it ends with peace. Blessed are you, God, who has blessed His people Israel with peace. Now, peace as a concept is clear. It's not an unusual or not well understood concept. There is no doubt, despite sometimes what one hears in certain circles, there is no doubt that peace is the opposite of war. Uh, this is clear in many, many psukim in Tanakh. I'll just quote one which is so clear because it's concise. Pasuk in Kohelet, eight milhama eight shalom. There's a list of opposites there. One of them is eight milhama, a time for war, eight shalom, a time for peace. So I think we know what the word peace means, and our problem is not to define what the word peace means. Our problem is something else. Our problem is, why are we asking for it at all, and why are we asking for it in this place? Or in other words, maybe to change the question slightly, what exactly are we asking of God? What do we want Him to do when we say, Sim Shalom Now, this bracha, as I just pointed out, is a request. It says, give us peace, blessing, goodness, hand v'chesed, mercy, and grace, v'rachamim, and pity, v'sosfarad, and life. We're asking that God should do something for us. Bless us. Which raises another question. This isn't the place for requests. We've understood in the past that Shonesha consists of three brachot of praise, thirteen brachot of requests, and three brachot, the definition which we gave a few weeks ago, Rama's definition of hodaya, of gratitude, and the wider definition based on the Gemara that I've been quoting for the last few weeks, niftar v'holechlo takes his leave and departs. Then why are we asking for peace and other blessing words at this point? Now, if we look at all the other words, we immediately notice something quite clear. After the word shalom, shalom sim shalom, we have tova, uvracha, hen, vahesed, varahamim. Goodness, Blessing, grace, mercy, and pity. Those things are nouns, but they're not specific things. If I ask God to give me chesed, to give me mercy, I'm not asking to get something called mercy which I'll then put in my pocket. I'm asking, it's, it's the attitude of God. When, if God is merciful, I'll get something else perhaps. Forgiveness or money, or, or food. Mercy is the way God gives things. Blessing. None of these things are, have any specific content. 
These are more or less God's attributes. And whether or not I assume that I will get something specific if God adopts this attitude towards me, that's not exactly what I'm asking for. In first glance, peace is different. Peace is the name of something. There's a state of war, I want peace. And therefore, I ask again, why is peace in this list, especially since peace is in fact the the overriding title of the list, makes all the more difficult the question of how quantitatively most of the Bacha relates to the specific request for peace with which the Bacha begins. I want to make a suggestion and then we go back a few lines to something which we didn't talk about last week and offhand we would be talking about it this week if it would not prove to be so helpful. Immediately before Birkat Shalom, more correctly, in the beginning of Birkat Shalom, we find a section called Birkat Kohanim, the blessing of the priests. It's only said in Chazarat Hashatz. In Chutz Laaretz, outside of Israel, it's said only on holidays. But according to the Halacha, according to the way the Gemara describes it, 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 it will be said every day in Chazarat Hashatz. And it's said in Birkat Shalom. The connection between Birkat Kohanim and Birkat Shalom is the word Shalom. Birkat Kohanim ends with the word Shalom. V'yaseim l'cha Shalom. Birkat Shalom begins with it. V'yaseim l'cha Shalom. Sim Shalom tova uvracha. But that's not the only thing they have in common. Like Birkat Shalom, Birkat Kohanim also is not about anything specific. It's about, it's about verbs. It's about requests that don't request anything specific. They have no definitive content. What else do we ask for other than shalom in Birkat Kohanim? Or what is the Birkat, what does the Kohanim bless us? Yevarechecha Hashem. God should bless you. Bracha. Ve'yishmerecha. Should watch over you. Should keep you. Ya'er Hashem panavelecha. He is God's countenance should shine on you. V'yichuneka. The word chanina. Try to define it in a second. Yisa Hashem panavelecha. God should raise His face towards you. V'yitein lecha shalom. V'yasim lecha shalom. We're asking for blessing, for keeping, for he'arat panim, the shining of the face, the nesiat panim, the raising of the face. What do all these phrases mean? What do they not mean? They don't refer to anything in particular. Again, they refer to something about the way God looks upon us. And I think the specific the two phrases with which the two second the second the next the last two lines. About God's relationship with us. In our language, we mean sort of, we ask God to smile at us. If God shines His countenance upon us, 
this very flawed phrase. What does it mean if God shines his face? It means he looks at us with a shining face and not with an angry face. An angry face is dark and a happy face is light. What does it mean, la'ir panim, to somebody? It means to have a close, warm, personal relationship with that person. And even in modern Hebrew, if I say, shani me'ir panim lemisho, it means I, I take him in. I accept him. I, I, I embrace him. Ha'arat panim means it's a request that God should have a close, personal and loving relationship with us. Quite a few weeks ago, we met the word chanina, the one word which I didn't translate now because it's difficult to translate. We met it in a different bracha, the first bracha the requests, chonein hadat. And I mentioned then, I went to Bekat Korim to understand what chonein hadat means there, and I claimed, and just recapitulating, that when God is chonein otan badat, He doesn't create wisdom and give to us, He shares His own wisdom with us. Chanina means to share myself with somebody. Bukat Kohanim ends v'samu et shmi al b'nei Yisrael v'ani avarachem. Kohanim place God's name on the Jews. What does it mean to place God's name on the Jews? The name in the Tanakh and in Chazal means the personality of. The name is a reflection of the personality. If God's name is placed on the Jews, it means God dwells within the Jews. Place my name on the Jews by, in, by uh, uh, reciting the blessing and they will be blessed. When I ask about anything specific, we're asking to be allowed to share in God's presence. So, I think Sim Shalom is a request for the same thing. The Reciting the Bachah of Sim Shalom is not a last-ditch attempt to get a little bit more out of God than we got in the 13 request Bachot in the middle of Shemun Esrei. It's an attempt to continue when I leave Shul, when I leave the synagogue, it's an attempt to continue in the, the world of activity, the world of my daily activity, the relationship which was the essence of Tefillah itself. When I was davening, I was in God's presence. That's the definition of Shemun Esrei. Is la'amod bifnei ha-melech, to stand in God's presence. Aside from everything I said in Shemun Esrei, everything I requested, what I was doing was, I was there. I was close to God. Korbanot are the basis for tefillah. A korban is to come close. La'akriv. To daven is to come into God's presence. I spend some time with God. And presumably it was a close time. God listened to me. Perhaps even spoke to me. That experience of being in the presence of God, we're about now to leave. We're going to take three steps back and walk out of the presence of God. When you leave, when you take leave of the king, this is what connects it to the last three bachot, when you take leave of the king, so you say that you hope he enjoyed it. You express your gratitude and your recognition that he is your king. And then you, yes, request, but a very different kind of request. You request 
that you should be able to take something with you. It's not a request for our needs, for our those things which will allow us to exist. Those are the 13 intermediate requests. Now, it's basically saying goodbye. It's taking leave and departing. But part of taking leave and departing is the attempt to stretch, to take with us. Even as I depart, God's presence should accompany me. The servant who leaves the presence of the king requests as part of his departure that the king's presence should accompany him wherever he goes. The experience of tefillah should continue to echo in my life when I'm not in God's presence, but nonetheless, something of that presence should continue with me. Shalom, chayim, tova, ubracha. Of O Panecha, Kibi O Panecha Natatalano, the same O Panecha of Bukat Kaonim, your shining countenance grants us something which I want to take with me. That's the meaning of the Bracha. We're still left with the question, well, what does the word Shalom mean then? What, why, why, is it, why is this idea that God's presence should accompany me? Why is that specifically called Shalom? Here I want to rely on a Amar um, of Rabbi Yitzhak Arama, the Akedat Yitzhak, writing 500 years ago, his explanation of what the word Shalom means. He writes this in his Drasha to Bekat Konim. It's Ma'amar Ayindal, the 74th Ma'amar of the Sefer, uh, explaining Bekat Konim. And his main argument here, it's quite a long, uh, quite a long article, uh, the Akedat Yitzhak's article the uh, main point is that it is wrong to define peace, shalom, only negatively. The absence of war. Because after all, Chazal say that the name of God is shalom. Shalom is the klisha machzik kol It's the vessel in which all the brachot are placed. God's name is not no war. It's not just a negative word. He, he has a number of proofs for this. One really very, very striking proof. He quotes a pasuk found in Shmuel Bet when David HaMelech um, meets uh, Oriah Chiti who has come back from the war and sent back from the front in uh, Moab where uh, Yoav, the general, the commander-in-chief of the army, has been besieging the country of Moab, and Uriachiti comes from there back to Yerushalayim. And David greets him. Uriah came to David. David asked him, Lishlom Yoav, Ulishlom Ha'am, Ulishlom Hamilchama. Translating literally the word Shalom is peace, David asked Uriah about the peace of Yoav, the peace of the people, and the peace of the war. There's such a thing as Shalom HaMilchama. Obviously, Shalom doesn't mean the absence of war. Clearly what it means here, a simple chat, is the, the, the well-being. How is it going? Exactly what we do when we say Shalom to somebody. It's called in Hebrew, greeting somebody or departing, is called Lish'ol Shlomo. Literally, you say, Mashlomcha. But what we mean is, how are you doing? So he asked, how's Yoav doing? How are the people doing? And how's the war going? That's also called Shalom. 
The Kedati Tzachak explains that the real meaning of Shalom is the harmonious cooperation of individual and distinct parts so that they create a integral unity together. Human society, for instance, consists of individuals. Each one has his own goal, his own problems, and therefore, potentially, each one is, could be, a, in conflict with the next. Your individuality is a source of potential conflict. Social peace is when each person's individual goals and interests mesh so that they don't detract from each other, but in fact they, they maximize each other. Universal world peace is in God. Because only God could create a context which would put the entire world and its individual parts into a harmonious whole. What I think the Akedat Yitzchak is saying here is a, is a very, very deep concept. Everything that was created has its own purpose. This is true especially of people who are created with sediment or came and therefore have infinite value. But it's true for everything. Everything in terms of itself exists for its own particular purpose. And if you only look at an individual thing, then every individual thing is different and has a different purpose. Every individual thing, every other individual thing. Now, this is not a deficiency in creation. This is the way the world was created. Because I have an expression about people where they say, just as their faces are distinct and individual, so their personalities are distinct and individual. Chazal never shared a, a, a yearning, a nostalgia for the kind of unity based on the elimination of distinctiveness, the elimination of differences. You won't find that idea reflected in Chazal. The way to, to achieve unity is by eliminating the individual distinctiveness of each individual. And if the individual distinctiveness of each individual is important, then the very creation of the individual man and individuality in general is the basis for war. This is expressed by Chazal, by the Pithali, by the repeated um, opposition between the concept of emet, truth, and the concept of shalom. I think they mean there is that truth, what what, what I am contradicts peace. You find this in a number of places in Chazal, many, many places. It's almost a habit of saying, emet v'shalom are opposites. Halachically expression, tal v'shakel shalom. Peace demands, at times, falsehood. And Chazal said that on the question of whether man should be created, so God's truth and God's peace or opposite sides. 
very striking expression found in the Yerushalmi beginning of Sanhedrin where it's discussing as the Babi discusses there as well uh, whether or not the judges the court should do strict justice or attempt to compromise to bring people to, to peace and the Gemara not only says that these are different it says the opposite so Bishu ben Kach Omer Mitzvah Levatzeya there's an argument in the Gemara it's a controversy he says the court should try to achieve a compromise and of course the following Pasuk Emet umishpat, emet umishpat shalom. The, the goal is emet umishpat shalom. And Rabbi Shubin Kacha says, I don't understand. Kol makom emet. If there is truth, ain't mishpat shalom. Then there isn't a judgment of peace. Yesh shalom. If there's peace, ain't mishpat emet. If there's peace, there's no truth. If there's truth, there's no peace. The, my truth is not the same as your truth. If I'm a dis- I have a distinct face, distinct fingerprint, then my personality, my opinions, my midot, my deot are distinct. And they will not agree with you. And therefore, if I am dedicated to my own truth, then I am by necessity, necessity in conflict with your truth. I once said from the Vav, Yosef, he said, we say at the end of tefillah, after Bekat HaShalom, we say, He who makes peace in the heavens should make peace upon us. What does it mean he who makes peace in the heavens? And the Rav said that, in our world, there are all kinds of midot, all kinds of attributes, traits, which are contradictory. For instance, it's very common to say that, that din and chesed, mercy and justice, are contradictory. In the heavens, in God's personality, God is one. God is both din and chesed. He's both mercy and justice. And they're one by Him. I would uh, like to quote the medieval scholastic philosopher, Nicholas of Cusa, who defined God as coincidentia appositorum, the coexistence of opposites. That's the peace of God. That's Shalom B'Momav. It doesn't really exist in this world. It can't actually fully exist in this world. Because God is one, but we are many. And we're many and distinct and different. But we pray that the true peace of God should be expressed in our world as well. This kind of peace in our world is not achieved, as the Akedat Yitzchak says very explicitly. It's hard to remember that Akedat Yitzchak is a 500-year-old book. Rav Yitzchak died in, I believe, 1495. He says a very, very modern concept. You don't achieve the peace of God by eliminating differences, but by integrating them in a greater whole. You specifically use the differences make a greater whole. The um, the strengths and the weaknesses of each individual mesh together so that the whole is greater than its parts. There's a controversy in the Gemara what bracha to make over the fire on Motzei Shabbat and Havdalah. 
Beitiva says, Borei Meorei Ha'esh. Think about what those words mean. We're so used to them. He who makes the lights of the fire. Beitiva said, Meor Ha'esh. The reason why Beitila, who we follow, says Meorei Ha'esh, the lights of the fire, because the Gemara says, Dafnun Bet in Brachot, Harbei Meorot Yesh Ba'esh. There are many different fire, there are many different lights in the fire. Fire is not one color. A live fire is is a a a, a combination of constantly scintillating different sparks, different fires, different colors which make one fire, and that's what, in fact, lights up the darkness. God is one. Creation is one. And this is true in principle, even though, and maybe not the word even though, as part of the fact that creation consists of distinctiveness, differences, individuality, and, and plurality, multiplicity. The, the unity of the world, which reflects the unity of God, exists in our world in the sense that shalom is possible. A harmonic unity of different individuals. This, of course, includes, first of all, cessation of war. You're fighting each other, then you cannot live in a, in a harmonic existence. But it includes much more. You can't get to harmony if you don't cease fighting. You won't get to harmony by abandoning, by waiving your individual fruition, your individual goals, your individual self-fulfillment. But only by Sublimating by by using our individuality and contributing it to a greater whole, which reflects the the wholeness of God and the uni- and, and the unity of God. That's what the last bracha is about. And when we say this bracha, I think we can feel the the, the eschatological, the the somehow. The, the, the theoretically perfect world that it's describing. Sim shalom tovah bracha achimachesavachimino For in your light, in, in our own lives, on the earth it's not really found. But the earth, we don't want to go to heaven. We want to stay on this earth in our lives, but it should be illuminated in God's light. I don't know exactly what that means. I can't explain what that, what that means. But I think we can feel what it means that our world should be transformed, not abandoned, not destroyed, but transformed by being enlightened by the countenance of God. And that's why, as opposed to every other Baruch in the thing we're asking for here is called not just Shalom, but Shlomecha. We're asking for peace, the peace of God. I'm asking for the Panasa of God. I'm not asking for, for you know, even even... Uh, uh, the slicha of God. Slicha comes from God, but it's my slicha. Here I'm asking for shlomecha. True peace only belongs to God. We want to share in it. It's panecha. It's shlomecha. We're not asking for something specific. We're asking that everything that we already have 
should not serve as the source of conflict. It should be the exact opposite. It should serve, it should become part of a greater whole, something which is reflects my closeness to God, my presence of God in my lives, something which reflects God Himself. That's what this bracha means. And if we just take a look at the some of the language of the bracha, I think it it helps understand what the bracha is about. Bachenu avinu kulanu keechad be'opanecha. Bless us, all of us, as one. On the one hand, I'm just asking. I'm not saying I should have peace. Bachenu avinu kulanu. It, it, it would be meaningless to say, give me peace. Everybody's, if everybody says, give me peace, then there'll be war. Because each of us will have peace. A different peace. My peace, your peace, his peace. And we'll all be at war with each other. kulanu. Our Father bless us all together. Ke'echad. It's not just that everything we... All tefillot are said in, in, in plural. There's a rule in the Gemara that you shouldn't pray for yourself, you should pray for everybody. But here it's more than that. We're not just praying for myself and others. The thing we're asking for is, kulanu ke'echad, all of us as one. Not all of us one after the other, but all of us as one. Kulanu ke'echad. It's a bracha about harmony, about unity, and not about something else. Two, bracheinu kulanu ke'echad ve'ol panecha. Peace doesn't come because God creates it or gives it to us. It comes because we stand in the light of God. We stand in the before God's face. If we look at God, if we are, if our lives are illuminated by God, if that's how we stand, then we have a chance of having peace. To stand in the face of God, la'amod ba'or panav, means. Um, It, it's to it's to transcend our individuality, not eliminate, but to transcend it. To stand in front of God means to transcend our own individuality because we're all bound together as one because God is shining upon us. And that is the final request of Shwanasray. It's a request. More importantly, it's a taking leave and departing. We're leaving God's presence as part of leaving the presence of the King we ask that the king should come with us. In what sense? In the sense that we should maintain, achieve, grow into the unity of being all together the human reflection of God's transcending glory and, and, and kingdom. With this we finish the 19 brachot of the Shmon Esrei. And I've tried to achieve what was my original goal. Uh, some 20-something sessions ago. On the one hand, to understand each bracha, what it's about, to explain the words. Uh, and on the second hand, to abstract, to extract from each bracha the... Um, theoretical, philosophic underpinning which the way the Chazal thought which led them to 
write the tefillah the way they wrote it. But I don't think we should end now. We have some time left. Uh, and so I'd like to continue this original uh, quest of Shemon Esrei with uh, one or two other aspects having to do with Shemon Esrei. And therefore, if you agree, I would suggest you don't take leave and depart from me now. But we'll continue the next couple of weeks to discuss some of the halachot surrounding Shemon Esrei. Some of the prayers surrounding Shemon Esrei. Uh, and thereby perhaps understand even more about the nature of tefillah and the way that Chazal expect us to approach God and to pray to Him.